Hi, welcome to Air Graphics Podcast. My name is Ralph Kelly, the owner of Air Graphics, Airbrushing, and Caricatures. This week, our guest is Becky Townsend, better known as the Airbrush Librarian. Becky has been airbrushing for over 19 years and has had the opportunity to work for some of the big dogs. So let's hear her journey of 19 years in the business. Well, hello, Becky. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm great. And yourself? I am okay. Do I sound oh, yeah. okay? Do I sound okay? You, you sound awesome. Okay. I figured it might work better if I have the headphones in than if I try to yell at the car all the way home. So. Yeah. Can you hear me better now? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Great. Man, I didn't, I didn't know Pat was going to call you. Yeah, he he's talked to me on the phone several times when I've been on my way home from work and stuff. And so yeah. if I'm on the overhead microphone in the car, he said it, it's like I'm in a cave or something. So, ah. and he said, I can hear that you're driving the car and I can hear. And maybe you should wait. And, you, know. you know what? I think this is actually my first time ever physically talking to you. I want to text you a lot, but I've never talked to you physically. I think we've talked on the phone one time before, a long, long time ago, but long, long ago. (laughs) Long, long. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. So, on the podcast, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, What do you want to know? Well, uh, let's say, how long have you been airbrushing? Uh, I've been airbrushing for about 19 years. I started when my son was in diapers, and he's 19, so, you know, that's how I can remember. <laughs> However old he is, that's how long I've been airbrushing, so. Uh, how did you, how did you, what made you get into it? I, I always was drawing and scribbling things when I was little, and um, I was always an artist and everything, but when I was a teenager, if I would have asked my parents to buy me an airbrush, they were probably would have gotten me one of those little things that you get in the model kits where the the airbrush is part of the plastic lid that attaches to the jar that costs like $7, you know, and I would have hated it and I never would have tried it again. Um, oh, yeah. But I got an airbrush at a garage sale and it was an actual real airbrush. It was a Pache. And... Um, then it took me about three months to get to the point where I had a, a working air source so that I could actually practice stuff. Um, and I had gone to a festival in my hometown where they had two different airbrush artists set up at that festival. And I was watching at the one booth and there's these young kids and they're standing up there and they're painting just names on shirts, real simple designs. It wasn't taking them, but five minutes to do a shirt from the time that they took the order, loaded the shirt, painted the name, you know, boom, five minutes. And they were charging $10 a piece for these shirts. And my little calculator started going off in my head. I'm like, that's, that's 12 shirts an hour. So that's, that's like $120 an hour. And they were telling people, you're going to have to come back in three hours or you're going to have to come back in four hours. Oh, they were that um, busy. Yeah. And I'm like, how long has this festival been open today at $120 an hour? I think I'm going to go home and practice some more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. So, yeah. Um, so you got the bug then, right? I did. And I, I hopped on the internet and, um, I found the WCA forums and I just started like soaking up everything that I could. Um, I learned in my first 12 months of airbrushing, I learned how to paint on t-shirts and on people and on cars because I, I wanted to know everything. I wanted to, I wanted to be able to use my airbrush in whatever way I could to make money, no matter what my situation was. Yeah. 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 That's that's crazy because I think WCA man that was like the the place for everyone to go to. It was like it was the go to place if you wanted to learn it. Yeah, it was. 
I mean, there, there was forums over on like airbrush.com and a couple other places. Um, but I didn't think that they were as good as the forums at WCA. There was a lot of arguing and bickering yeah. and things that went on on the other forums and I didn't like those. And we're about to get passed by an ambulance. No, you're fine. You're there fine. There we go. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of, and then I think they basically like, um, mainly car people too. Yeah, that was the other thing. It, it wasn't, it didn't delve into other areas. It was all just car people and, and, um, automotive type work on hard surfaces. So. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you located now? Uh, right now I'm working at a shop in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, uh, which is right by Gatlinburg near the Smoky Mountains. Um, and from my shop, I can stand and point to four other airbrush stores that are nearby that I can actually see from outside my store. Airbrush is still like a thing here. So. Wow. So yeah. it's a lot of competition right there where you're at. Yeah. But I don't really, it's not really like competition because we all know each other. So like if I get really busy and I know that the Joni works across the street from me, um, John Swanson and, oh, yeah, I remember uh, her. and Kevin Sparling also works in a different booth across the street from me. And, um, there are certain things that Kevin does that I don't do with license plates so if I get somebody that wants something that I know he can provide, I'll send them across the street to him. And if uh, if I'm backed up and I know that Joni's having a slow day, I send people across the street to her. And uh, for designs that they know that I have that they don't have, they send people my way. So, you know. Oh, that's cool. It all works that's out that, pretty good. Yeah, that's cool. And everybody looking out for each other like that. Yeah. Mainly, it's, a lot of times, it's mainly just cutthroat everywhere you go. I know where I was at, it was cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little bit more like that um, down in Panama City Beach than than it is up here. Um, because there's there's a lot of shops. And the season in Panama City Beach is a lot shorter than it used to be. So you have a much smaller window of time to try and get all the money you can because when when Panama City Beach shuts down they're shut down for now it's about half the year um, it used to be about five months but you you just have to make all the money that you can and you only have from like when school lets out until school goes back to get it you know now so it's really really competitive down there <laughs> yeah so where, where did you start at brushing it uh, I was living in Ohio. I was living in a little town called Elyria, Ohio, which is halfway between Cleveland, Ohio and Cedar Point um, in Sandusky, Ohio. Um, and I, I first started off, uh, I airbrushed batting helmets. I didn't so much do t-shirts back then. I did batting helmets. Um, there was somebody on the forums named Chuck Rogers. He was, he's out of Atlanta or that general I remember area. Chuck. Yeah. And he had a booking to do that was actually in Ohio and his van was broke down and he got a hold of me and he said, do you want to go and do this booking? And I'd never painted and made money. I'd never painted in public before. And I told him, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. And he goes, no, you're ready. Really, you're ready. I'll, 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 <laughs> help you out. I'll show you the designs. I'll tell you where to go. And, you know, so I got my brother and he had a van and, and we loaded up everything that I had in my van. I borrowed $40 from my mom and went to the grocery store and bought one of those um, pop-up tents that doesn't pop up. It's one of those, you got to put the legs together in three pieces and it took an hour to set the tent up, you know? Oh, wow. And um, yeah, humble beginnings. And, and we went down and it was an opening day for a, a recreational league in this one area. And it started pouring down rain about an hour after we got set up and they canceled the games about three hours into the day. And I was still sitting there painting helmets at six 30 under the tent. You know, we would, my brother had a cell phone. I didn't even have a cell phone. Then. My brother had a cell phone. We take people's numbers 
and we'd call them up your helmet's done and they come and get it we'd throw it in the car and off they go and I made like six hundred dollars that day and I thought yeah I'm gonna go home and practice some more (laughs) and I I got a hold of Chuck and I'm like how do you get these bookings I need to know how you get these bookings (laughs) yeah yeah exactly those are uh but that's that's cool, man. You had a humble beginning. You, you can't nobody say you never paid your dues. Yeah, my my first air source was actually a nebulizer. That was my dad's nebulizer that I went over to my mom's house and got <laughs> because the the end of the hose was the right size to screw on to the fitting on the nebulizer, and I could I could airbrush uh, that way. And it was like pulsating air. It really sucked, and that, that motivated me to get the next air source, um, which was a CO2 tank I got at a flea market. Um, so yeah, I mean, wow, one thing crazy. at a time. I, I have a nebulizer, but I never even looked at it like that. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, another thing is that I. I you work with a lot of the the mainstream artists that like in our state, so that's kind of cool too. You got you got to get a lot of uh, knowledge from them. Yeah, well. yeah, I've learned a lot from. Well, I learned a lot from the the forums, um, and then I took that and and I did my own thing. I was I was doing my own thing in Ohio for probably ten years, um, and then everything with the economy crashing back in 2008 and I was still doing softball tournaments and the money just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, um, I ended up, I just packed everything up and took off and went to Florida. And that's where I got to meet Pat Gaines in person and, and Mark Rush. And, um, actually that's where I met, uh, Cassandra, the airbrush goddess. I met her down there too, cause she came down from Cleveland and, we were working together for a little while in Panama City. Um, but yeah, I, I learned a lot from them because you have to try to match the designs on the wall, you know, to try and paint. So it looks like the stuff that, that they see on display. And that's the hard part. That's the hard trying part. Trying to copy it's, somebody else's style. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. But that's the way everybody does it down there. Everybody paints and it all, you can't tell unless you've been there for a while and you, you get to know each individual artist's little, little tiny quirks. Um, but if you were a customer, you can't really tell the difference between one artist and another artist painting it because they hold you to that standard and you, you have to come up to that standard if you're working on the beach side of things um, to be wow, able to pull I, it off. I think whenever I had employees, I was like, well, you know, I would make sure I tell them, I said, okay, well, you need to let them know that, you know, you have your own style. So your style is not going to match, but to match somebody else's style is hard to do. It, it is hard to do. And, and I'm still not, I just still don't quite match up with Panama city beach stuff, but I'm closer than I was when I moved there. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Yeah, that's, that's that, that would be hard for me. And I've been painting about, I don't know when I started, but I remember meeting you on WCA. But I don't. I think I don't... you and I started very, very close to the same time. Um, I remember that you were showing off your caricature work because you would set up at Rainforest Cafe under a little tent yeah. outside with your stuff, and um, and I was really impressed with your caricatures. And I kept saying, "Man, if you could just learn how to do that with the airbrush on a shirt." <laughs> Because forever yeah. you're getting somebody, can I have my own face on a shirt, you know? And if you could do the caricatures, you know, yeah. that would, you know, that was, yeah, that was, that was some good time. I mean, so we started about the same time. That's, that's cool. Dude. Yeah. That's, but, uh, and, uh, what was the other one? Uh, so I remember, uh, used to be, uh, I remember, well, uh, the WCA days, we used to call, I, I know I started calling you, I don't know who started calling you first, but I thought I started calling you first the, uh, the uh, Abrush Library, because you had all the knowledge of everybody's stuff. Anybody yeah. asked for something, you would have a picture of it. Yep, that's because I, w- I wanted to know 
So like I said, I went to that festival and I'm watching these kids and $120 an hour. And, and I started thinking to myself, you know, I could do this. I know I can do this. And I just wanted so bad to be able to, to be a success at this. And I just knew that I could do it. So I soaked up everything I could find. Um, and if somebody saved up, you know, like I said, I got 40 bucks from my mom and got the thing from the grocery store. And that was my tent for like the first year. And, um, I, I just wanted to learn everything. And so I would save pictures of everybody's setups because maybe there would be something in there that I could afford to do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Something um, you could maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, like one, one of the ones that you had one time you had taken, it was either refrigerator racks or oven racks and some foam core board. And you had put the pellons, you had cut the foam core board into squares. You put the pellons on both sides of the square, like a page in a book. And then you would use these black office clips to clip the foam core board onto the, the rack, the wire rack from the refrigerator, probably a refrigerator because it was skinny. Um, yeah. and that made your homemade flip rack. And I'm like, well, gosh, I could do that. You know, I could, <laughs> you know, that's, that's cheap. And there's always somebody throwing away a refrigerator or a stove or something, you know? Yeah. And, that's, that's, yeah. You have to, you have to be, you have to be, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to be, Tree, re you have to resourceful and creative. <laughs> yeah. Can come up with some stuff and then you save it money at the same time because we all right. like budgeted at that time. Yeah. Gotta get it right. Well, those flip racks weren't cheap. I mean, you know, if, when you spend $40 on the tent, you can't afford $150 for the flip rack. You know, it's just yeah. that's a fact of life. True story. And then there's always a, a way around. You can look at it for a little bit and you can figure out a way around it. Like, yeah. man, I'm not spending all that money. I can figure out another way of doing this and get the same yeah. results. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, someone told me to ask you about that you have all the OWCA file. It was uh, Ed Zamora. Ed Zamora. Yeah. yeah. EZ. EZ he, he, yes. he said you have all of the uh, the old files. I have, I have as many of the files that I could save Um when they when they let everybody know that they were going to be shutting down the forums and that it was going to be going away, I went on there and I just like saved everything that I could. I went on there and saved entire web pages, um, and some of it saved and some of it didn't. But I've got like all the articles that Pat put up on how to build the flea market setup and the the inline mall and the kiosk and the you know all those kinds of things those articles oh I have saved you completely. know what those things that you printed that you have in those binder yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i saved them to uh i saved them to my computer um because i knew they were going to go away and i didn't know if i would ever find them again you know that was good knowledge too yeah yeah oh, that was why he, i hung on to it he told me to ask you what you ever planning on posting I guess we probably got to get with Pat Dillon about it and see if it's okay with him. I've, I've actually shared a lot of those things before. When, when Airbrush Club was a new thing on Facebook, um, when Arius Bell and uh, Art Solis started Airbrush Club on Facebook, I went through and all of the pictures that I had of everybody's setups, they're in there in a folder someplace. Um, and there's like, I don't know, 3,500 pictures in that folder. It took forever to upload them all, but I, um, <laughs> but I went through and, and as people would ask for stuff when on there, I would go, well, here, this is that, you know, and I would send them what I had. Um, the airbrush library. <laughs> well, I've always been a person, like if I lose something or if I, you know, I'm not, I don't always put everything back away where it belongs, but I can remember where I put it. It's, it's right here under this little stack of stuff. It's right. You know, I can see it in my head where it was at because I picture it. And yeah. so people would be on the forums or they would be in airbrush club and they would be saying, I need to know I'm going to be setting up for this and it's going to be this kind of a thing. 
And I would see a picture in my head of something that I'd saved before. And I'd be like, yeah, I have a picture of something that would work for you for that. Let me just go fetch that. And that, that's how that whole thing happened was because I would, I would remember, yeah, I, have, I saved that picture, you know. <laughs> and you know what's so, crazy? That's what everybody would basically was like. A lot of us, I guess our class, we could call it our class. We're yeah. starting out, so we were all like basically like learning from each other and, and using each other's ideas, and to have all and, and posting all that stuff on there. So yeah. to have all that information is is crazy to have all that stuff because it's a lot. It's a it's still some stuff that's still relevant today that you could use. Yeah, there's a lot of it. There's there's all the basic information is still the same, like um, how to how to shop for an air compressor and. Uh, what kind of airbrushes to look for and uh, how to, if you're going to run off of CO2, what kind of setup you need to have and, you know, how many hours you're going to get off of a tank of CO2. That matters when you're running off of CO2. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, the, there's a lot of it that never goes away. One of the things that me and uh, Malcolm was talking about was that, uh, and what I've noticed too that you don't notice, you don't see a lot of new young airbrush artists. So I'm wondering if it is a dying, a dying art, because I I haven't normally I have a lot of little kids coming to my shop ask me, you know how to do this, how to do that, and how to you know if they can work for me and all that. But I haven't noticed, I haven't seen that in a while. You you, you see that up there? I get it about probably half a dozen times a year. There will be a kid that'll come in and. Usually they'll sit there and they'll just watch me paint if it's a busy day. They'll watch me paint for the longest time. And then um, after that, mom or dad usually comes looking for them. And a conversation will start after that because mom or dad will go, that's pretty cool, isn't it? You think you could learn how to do that? And, you know, and then a conversation will follow after that. And I have actually steered people towards some different YouTube videos and I'm still the airbrush librarian, even, you know, um, <laughs> and I've, I've steered people towards different websites or, or YouTube videos or channels or things like that, that I know about where they can go and, and learn about it and, and get to know. I've sent a lot of people to the airbrush club group, um, you know, just, yeah, I've stuff. noticed a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of people are not, it's not, a lot of people aren't sharing like they used to. Yeah, I, I think that um, when the, I, when the group was smaller, it was more, it reminded me more of uh, the forums on WCA, but as it's gotten bigger, it's kind of spread out to everybody all over the world, um, all doing different stuff, and it, I don't, I don't get the same vibe from it that I used to, but I still go there. Like today, there was a, a guy, I, I can't remember his name. He was trying to do an effect of like uh, splintered wood and he didn't know what that would look like. And he was having trouble picturing it in his mind. So I went and Googled some images and posted them. And there you go. I hope that helps, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I haven't, like I was telling Art that I haven't really, uh, I'll go on there, but I, I haven't really, I posted, I think not too long ago, because I said, I was like, man, I haven't posted on here forever. Yeah. And I guess it's just, I guess, I don't know how, I guess it is what it is now. I guess it's the same as like uh, a lot of the sites, it's just a lot of people just don't post anymore. Yeah. Like uh, I think retail airbrush is the same way. Nobody really posts anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess it is too. COVID. And, and I don't know, my wife always get on me about it, but like, she said, you always want some kind of reaction to something that you do. It's like, okay, if I post a picture, I expect somebody to at least say something about it. Like, oh, that's ugly or, you know, that's cool <laughs> or something. So I, I guess I always get a little upset or I, I don't get, like, zero response. I'm like, come on, man. So what's the point of posting if ain't nobody going to say anything? Then you look at it and you see you got 900 looks. Somebody looked at it 900 times, but there's no comments. Right. Well, yeah. at least people are seeing your stuff. That's, you know, that's something, you know, if I, yeah. if I share something on there, I don't, cause I rarely share on there anymore, but if I share something on there, it's usually in response to somebody else's thing. Like today, ask that kid asking for help. Um, and 
I don't usually post very many things on, on Airbrush Club anymore because I don't, I'm not, I've always been like a shy person and I, I like to be in the background more of a, like a support person and not so much a look at me kind of person. In so, light, like, like I am, I was trying to be yeah. in the light. Yeah, there's, oh, there's, yeah? Some, really? there's, some, there's some people there's some people that prefer to have attention and there's some people that prefer to just you know they don't they don't like oh, the yeah. attention. So that's what you're saying. So that's me, Becky, really? It's I'm not like a that. bad thing. It's it's the yin and yang, you know. You got it. If you right. didn't have some people that wanted the attention, like if if um, if there wouldn't have been people trying to show off on on WCA back in the day, I probably wouldn't have learned nearly as much as I did and I certainly wouldn't have had the pictures to save you know <laughs> oh I didn't know I was that person or that news to me <laughs> well you said your wife said you are so you know, oh. who am I oh, to uh, argue with your wife I mean geez. yeah <laughs> so um you had a trailer at first right so what, what were you, have you ever used that trailer were you out using that trailer oh yeah yeah, I um I actually got that trailer to, just before it, the economy crashed in uh, 2008 is when I got that trailer. Um, I got it on eBay. It was used, um, and we had to modify it so that it would work for, you know, like airbrush because the, the person that had it before, he made hats. And so he had a hat press. So it was built for that amount of electricity. So I knew that it would be okay to have a heat press in there, but he had the countertops built up. There was like four foot tall countertops because all he was doing was he pressed little, um, what do you call it? Patches on the fronts of the hats and hand out hats to people. And he didn't want people stealing the hats, you know, but airbrush is, is like a performance art and nobody could see me inside the trailer painting anything with the, you know, the thing is four foot tall from the inside and you're up off the ground. So it's like seven feet up in the air. None, none of the little kids at the tournaments could see me painting. So I chopped that all down so that you could see inside of there. And I would take that around and it was, it worked out pretty well for what it was. I mean, it was pretty big though, so it didn't necessarily fit everywhere real easily. Um, and when I left for Florida, I did not bring it with me. I left it in Ohio in storage and I like packed it full of everything from my house that I wasn't, you know, I packed the stuff I knew I was going to need pots and pans, clothes, you know, and then whatever I was planning on coming back and getting later, I put in this trailer. And then I ended up not getting it back until actually last summer. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think I think Airbrush is about the show. It is. Yeah. It is about the show. But I've noticed that, you know, uh, since I, I'm in my truck and I'm up high and I'm, I'm away, you know, I do. I still get business because of the way I think I have, uh, like, the design set up and, I have like the, I made sure my truck was bright red so it stands out. Right. But I don't have people standing around trying to see inside. I I've, I sometimes I have my back doors open so people can stand right there and watch me paint. They right. Just get the ooze and the eyes. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it's better to be on the ground out in the open so they can see you. And yeah. I think you generate more business that way. Well, we cut the we cut the countertops down so low in the trailer that they were only like 18 inches up from the bottom of the trailer after that. So even little kids that were only like three feet tall could come up and put their chin on the countertop and watch me paint, you know. So that worked out pretty well because I would I still went and did softball tournaments. That was my whole thing. I started to book them in march and and i had a regular circuit that i did by the time everything was said and done and i would i would be able to paint all the way up until halloween um and i could start painting in april if i was brave enough i've painted in the snow <laughs> oh wow i thought it was, well, it wasn't snowing but it was really really cold and oh, it no. clear does it clear it comes over and the clear ends up frosty looking yeah um, I had a 
I had a hair dryer. I would wear like uh, three sweatshirts and a couple of t-shirts underneath this big bulky trucker's denim jean jacket. And I would take the hair dryer and I would put it underneath the backside of where the airbrushes were in my bottle rack to warm up the paint so that it would still flow. And oh, yeah. at one of the events, it was 34 degrees outside and I'm out there painting and airbrushes God. are made of metal. <laughs> airbrushes are made of metal and metal conducts temperatures very easily. So you're picking up a 34 degree piece of metal and holding it in your hand and trying to paint with it. You know, it was a challenge. Oh, yeah. It was a challenge. Uh, Texas, Texas don't get that bad. So we no. don't have it that bad in Texas. Right. But it gets but if it's cold, like like you say thirty four, if it's if it's fifty, if it's fifty, then yeah, uh we uh we, we cold down here. We consider yeah. that cold. No, no, yeah, I get it because you know, I lived in Florida and in Florida when you're driving along you feel like the sun is right on your nose when you're outside. <laughs> I mean and then um in February when you have your two weeks of cold for the winter time and it drops down to fifty or sometimes even forty degrees, you know, you're freezing to death. You know, because you're used to it being a hundred and some odd degrees in the summertime. So, you know, that yeah. feels colder. Exactly. Exactly. So since the COVID has started, how, how has it been for y'all? When it and first it started. Really county where I'm in hasn't had a large number of cases but the county that i'm in on a our permanent population here isn't even a hundred thousand people so um we've had collectively i think we're up to about three thousand cases that we've had total um and it's affected uh one person that i know personally face to face um and he he talked about it and said it was like the worst sick he's ever felt in his life um but he was never hospitalized or anything and he recovered so that was good um but you know i i wear my mask at work and i i carry a little spritzy bottle of rubbing alcohol in my pocket and i'm spraying my fingers all yeah, the time but, whenever I touch stuff and you know I, I feel like a germaphobe yeah, but I can have to come on a germaphobe you. I, almost, I had you know it it's yeah it is no joke did you I mean it was like I think what got me was the fatigue yeah the fatigue got me and it was a uh, uh, and I, I have yeah. asthma so I I was worried about that but you know we got up and me and my wife my wife had it as well but she came back negative she came home sick one day and next thing you know i was sick hmm. but then we went got tests she came back negative and i came back positive i came back positive after i started feeling better which was crazy but i business-wise they closed right i, I was actually warning about business-wise like uh how did y'all shut down for y'all or right Oh yeah, we uh, they shut us down. Well, March twenty third or twenty fourth was when they finally came and said that we were going to close down, and then they reopened. I love you, Becky. Yep, man, I've been losing people lately. All right. Hold on a second. Be right back. All right. Welcome back, Becky. Hi there. <laughs> I could still hear you. Oh, I don't know. I, I lost you. I thought I lost I you. I don't know. But, um, uh, anyway, so how, so how was yeah, it? So, yeah, we, we uh, shut down six weeks, I think it was. Five weeks, six weeks. Um, and... When we reopened, it took forever in Tennessee for 
the self-employed people to start getting unemployment money coming in in the first place. Um, and that, that pandemic unemployment assistance stuff that they had going on, yeah. it took for, it took forever to get that stuff even rolling in in the first place. But, you know, everybody else that had a job with a paycheck and a stub, they were getting it before we reopened and we reopened and it was crazy. Everybody was showing up and they were spending all kinds of money. It was, you'd have thought every person that came here won the lottery. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, it was nuts. I was, I've not been so busy. And then my back would hurt so much because you were sitting at home for six weeks doing nothing, you know, and you show up for work and you're like, yeah, just a second. And you're, you're working and you know, Gosh, it was rough. <laughs> it was yeah, rough. that that's how it was here. I think um, I don't, I don't know about. I think everybody was getting all that money, but we were still locked down. And then they right. started opening up. They started opening up, and then it was just people just had all this money that was just like two, three. You know, they just had all this money and they just wanted to spend it. Yeah, so they, they get. I got a call and said, "Well, the mall is opening back up." So we opened back up, and man, I'm like. This is like when I first opened up, how busy I am. So it was like, yeah, and it's still, it's still. I have actually still really been really, really busy. Like, where these people been all this time? Yeah, like, I've I've been pretty busy. It's it's slowed down a little bit here because kids went back to school, you know, and primarily we're a vacation spot. Vacation you know? spot, yeah, yeah, and so when lives reset and kids go back to school and stuff it becomes you only really make your money on the weekends now um but yeah i mean we've got the the car shows here they call them rod runs and we uh the one that is happening right now is actually canceled but they came anyway um (laughs) and then there's going to be another one next weekend and there's just like people everywhere and um you know it's it was a busy day for me today at work well that's a blessing ain't it yeah i'm not complaining (laughs) (laughs) i would i'm just i was so surprised i mean i actually didn't expect that it was going to be busy because i would have thought that people would have been more concerned about um staying home and and not going out and all the social distancing and well that didn't really happen here so much um they finally had to put a mask mandate into effect here because after they about six weeks after they opened up our cases started to go up oh yeah no up significantly i mean like we went from maybe four cases a week to 30 cases a day was happening you know i mean it was it was getting pretty bad and so they put a mask mandate into effect and not everybody wears masks but there's a lot more people that are wearing masks now that there's a mandate than there was so that was that was helpful that um that's the crazy part is you have you have the the maskers and the non-maskers and everybody all oh, you break into my civil rights and all this and that. But, you know, everybody just wear their mask. It, 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 you know, it, it will just help out. But I think so. It's, see, the, the, the thing that everybody forgets when they're dealing with all this stuff is, yeah, is do I appreciate having to, you know, all day long, <laughs> yeah. you got, you know, and I, it's a pain in the butt, you know, and, um, it's not convenient. You're always like, oh crap, I left the mask in the car. Hang on. I'll be right back. You know? Oh, I like did that. that like six times today. Yeah. And so, but it's, it's just something that you do. The, the thing that people forget when they're dealing with all this stuff is that the virus doesn't care about your freedom or your political stance or your civil rights or your anything else. The virus is just out to be the best little virus it can be. And, you know, 
and live its best little virus life and <laughs> you know it doesn't care if you you know want Republican to have civil Democrat rights or not or yeah and it doesn't yeah. care about any of that stuff or whether you have lots of money or whether you're broke as a joke it doesn't care about any of that stuff um you know it, it didn't get the memo about civil liberties no. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so it's been great for y'all since y'all reopened, right? Oh yeah, yeah. it's been crazy busy, and yeah. you know because I don't know, you, you don't know when there's going to come a vaccine, and they've been talking all summer about you know well the flu season's going to come and then we're going to be in really big trouble. And, oh, you can't keep count. Yeah, you get the flu shot. So, no, I can't get a flu shot because I'm allergic to eggs, and one of the things that they have in it. Is oh, and boy, they they use they use egg whites as like a carrier in yeah. the flu vaccine, and I can't do it because I'm allergic to eggs. Yeah, so. see, I got asthmatic, so I, I I'm mandatory for me to take it. If not, then yeah, they come with guaranteed death if you don't get it. But yeah, I, I normally don't get it, but I got it this year. Yeah, yeah. So what do you see uh, for the future of uh, airbrushing? You think it's going to get a little better? You think it's going to die out a little bit more? I think that at least where I'm at, I don't see airbrush going away for quite a while. I think that in tourist locations, and then you got like um, out in Vegas, they're they're doing pretty good out in Vegas with, um, you got... uh, Ricky Gonzalez and Jonathan Downing and even Chino has had a lot of success out there in Vegas um, with what they're doing. And, um, you know, I I think that it's like Pat said, as long as people keep making little kids that think that it's magic, um, there's still going to be airbrush customers. Yeah, Pat did say that, didn't he? (laughs) Yeah. And and also, it's very helpful to those of us in the airbrush industry that they're making little kids and then giving them names that they can't find on a keychain. So, <laughs> so you know, so they have to get airbrush if they want to get their name the right way. You know, on on something they want to get something personalized. That's the only way for them to get it. Um, yeah. but yeah, they've got. It's. I don't think that it's going to go away all the way it's in tourist locations as long as we keep uh keep up with the trends and yeah what people definitely have to continue to evolve yeah yeah i mean you definitely have to keep on evolving there's people with these little cricket machines now and you buy a cricket machine you instantaneously starting a business now and it's it's like a lot of people come to my shop now like do you do vinyl like I do it, but I don't like to do it. I, I will do it. I'm going to charge <laughs> more for it because it's a little bit more work as opposed right. to just turning around and just painting it. I have to go right. in the back, I have to design it, lay it out, make sure it's right, print it out, weed it, press it. So it's a little bit more work. So I'm going to charge you more. So it's right. your choice. Yeah. Yeah. I can completely <sighs> understand that. But, um, <laughs> As far as going forward with airbrush, um, I think that there are some ideas that are being floated around about um, ways to do getaways without anybody having to get away. And um, I, I think that making airbrush instruction more available to people who can't necessarily afford to go to Orlando and book a hotel for a week and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think, I think who said we talked about that. I think me and Malcolm talked about it. Me and Pat talked about it. I think, I think, um, I mean, well, we talked about, I think me and Malcolm talked about it. We were talking about how it's the same people from airbrush action moved over to the new place doing the instructions and we were talking about um, like a lot of people I think the classes I think everything is going basically virtual and then you have yeah. a lot of people who's just giving away the information on YouTube so you can just go to YouTube and basically um, see the exact same thing but I, well I think that there's going to be a level of difference 
Um, so it's more hands on. We well, yeah, it's more individualized and more interaction between the people. When we were shut down, one of the things that happened on Facebook was uh, Tony Robbins was giving away this comeback challenge thing, right? And I signed up for it because I wasn't doing anything else, right? And right. Um, so I went and I watched this and he's come up with, you know, you could go and do this thing for free where you watch the videos on Facebook. And then he had another more premium package where if you paid a couple hundred dollars for that, you could be on Zoom with him. But he had only a certain number of slots available for people to be on Zoom. And the people that were on Zoom could stay after the regular presentation and they could interact with him and ask questions directly to him. Um, and he could answer their questions directly. And so I, I could see that being utilized for airbrush instruction going forward where you would just have a getaway like over a multi what do you call it? A multi-person Zoom call, you know, and if you usually would have 25 people in your class at an airbrush action getaway, well, if you had a Zoom call and nobody had to pay for the hotel and the flight and the everything else to get there. You do it right there in your living room. You could do it right there in your living room and you could have like virtual one-on-one -on -one instruction with some of the people that you know were teaching at the airbrush action getaways or other people that would come on board for that kind of thing um and get the same information but have more one-on-one -on -one instruction where like maybe you could paint something and the instructor could kind of look at have everybody paint something and check things out as they're going along like a teacher in a classroom you know and um like when you used to practice your penmanship and when, when they taught cursive in school and you'd be practicing your letters and the teacher would walk around the room and kind of like tell you, okay, you need to fix this or you need to do that or whatever, kind of the same thing. Um, but with airbrush instruction through a virtual format. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 and think about it. You get to have the one-on-one chance to talk to your, your idol, somebody you, you idolize. Yeah. Yeah, because you could, you know, there's a lot of people that are bigger names in the airbrush industry that would have a lot of knowledge to share that you could get a lot of benefit from, you know. Um, and I don't necessarily want to name all those names because I know that I'll forget half the people that there would be because you would have like the face painting and temporary tattoos and t-shirts and you know just like when i started to learn and then you'd have all the automotive people and um you know people that paint on oddball surfaces and or then even like drew blair is doing virtual classes now um oh yeah yeah he's he advertises i get his newsletters and um uh, he's doing virtual classes now so you know it's it's headed that way it's coming you just gotta get ahead that, of it. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is a new this is a new thing though. Mm-hmm. And um who was it? Pat was telling me about a guy and I'm terrible with names, but he was telling me about a guy who's like he's almost doing like virtual events where he would have his design set up and people could virtually order whatever the design was and he would have a camera set up and you watch him paint the design but then he ships it to you instead of you getting it right there on the spot right and so you know that's a good social distancing way to do an event I think but I'm not sure I'm not sure if that has as much potential as having a, a getaway without anybody having to book a flight in a hotel, you know, I think that the, the airbrush instruction has more potential. Oh, <clears throat> uh, well, 
Yeah, I guess. I've, I've always was told that the gate was to be sold and not told. So it's like basically um, to, I guess it's my mentality or it's to, to sell the information. If you, if you can make, if you can monetize the information, then monetize it. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, I, there's, I see, there's like a lot of, uh, about... I see a lot of advertisements on Facebook for, um, these virtual things that they're calling masterclass, right? And, uh, like if you want to learn how to do film directing, you can sign up for a masterclass and your, oh, yeah, your, your instructor for film directing is Jody Foster. And, you know, if you want to learn, there was another one for, um, not film directing, but uh, how to take it from what you have in your head to on the screen, and and that person was Ron Howard, and you know they they have all these different high end people providing instruction, and I could see that happening in this industry, and then that would probably get us a new batch of young people because we're gonna go old and not be able to do this forever <laughs> <laughs> i'm ready to i'm ready to quit I i'm really not am. ready to quit i um, i i went on my social security thing and found out how much i'm gonna make for social security if i retire at at uh 67 or whatever my magic age is i'm like well i'll be working till i die <laughs> so, you know basically i think everybody will yeah if they have any money left by the time we get there so besides pet pet pet's a billionaire you don't want to tell nobody though i tell them that all nah, the time nah <laughs> pat was just a, one of the people that didn't party away all of his money back in the day and he he started reinvesting it in other ways that that's that's pretty much he found a way to make passive income and he used the airbrush money to begin that process so yeah that's that's the that's what that's the, that's where i'm at right now anyway yeah. <laughs> so so you do uh you're pretty good at doing stencils and everything yeah i um i started learning how to do stencils the same way as everybody else i would use an exacto blade and pellon and then i got a a stencil cutter um the the little thing that looks like a soldering gun with a really pointy tip and um, you, you'd make all your stencils out of Pellon and, and all of that stuff and then um, I saw some laser cut stencils at the craft store and I thought that would be really cool and a couple years after that I think was about the time that uh, Chino got started with his business and it always, it like fascinated me because I was pretty good with computers and things. And when I went to Florida, though, was when I very first had regular access to a laser. Before that, I had had access to a laser through my community college at a thing called the Fab Lab. They had a laser, they had a CNC machine, they actually had two lasers, they had a vinyl cutter, they had all of these things there that you could use for free as a person that lived in the community. You just had to take this one little class so that you knew how to work the machines. And then you could come in and use the machines for free. And a lot of people use those machines and started on um, the problem with that was is like with the laser, they had two lasers. And if somebody else was using the laser you had to wait until there was time available for you to use the laser um so i didn't get regular access to a laser cutter and then i moved and i worked with mark rush and he had the bat cave upstairs in the one store um and there was a laser up there and i would go up and i would cut stencils out of the design packages that he had for the store I was working in. Um, and then I started learning in more detail how to make stencils with Corel Draw. And um, I got pretty good at that. And then when I left Florida, I actually, I moved to Reno and that was when I worked with Chino. <clears throat> and Chino taught me a lot. 
about what I was doing wrong and, and how to connect the lines. And Chino is very specific about how he wants to have the stencils done. And so that was, it's kind of hard at first, but it's good because once you, bless you, once you, uh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> Once, yeah, once fun. you once you come up to the the bar that Chino has set for what his stencils should be like, you know you got a pretty good gauge on the whole thing, and um, so yeah, I I can I can do all of that, and then now down here, I've got my own laser, and I can make my own stencils for the shop that I'm in, and um, I make a few little here on the side artists in this area that I work with but yeah well that's cool I mean that, that's a skill in itself yeah it, it, it is to, to, to vector all that stuff on you with it. but yeah so some of those designs that Chino does the ones that look really cool I mean when you're the person who's buying the stencil you're looking at his website and you're going Oh my gosh, he wants how much money for the stencil? But then if you're the person who's sitting there and you have to sit there and it takes you four hours of your life to make that vector and then cut it on the thing and then you find out, well, this doesn't work because this falls apart. And then you go back into the computer and you fix that and you fix it. Some of those stencils have, you know, so many hours. If he was charging you by the hour for how long it took to make those stencils, you would never buy a stencil because it would be too expensive. And if I think that if a lot of people understood all of the work that goes into getting a stencil just right so that you can sell it and it works and it's not going to fall apart the third time you pull it off the shirt, um, that they wouldn't complain. They'd be like, wow, what a bargain. <laughs> but you also have to look at it from the other side I mean like if you buy a stencil from Chino and it's a good seller and you're working in a shop where you're going to paint that a hundred times hundred times and if you're charging twenty dollars for that design you're going to spend what twelve fifteen dollars for that stencil and you're going to make two thousand bucks so was it worth to spend $12 so that you can make $2,000 probably, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. When I talked to Tino, he was telling me about the process of it and people don't uh, understand it. Yeah. People, well, because there's a feature that a lot of people use or try to use when they have those little cricket cutters, um, and with any vinyl cutter, they don't use vectors. They use rasters, which is like a whole different thing. Um, you can have a raster design. And if you blow it up like a curve in a raster design, if you blow it up a lot, it actually isn't a curve. It looks like a set of steps, right? Whereas in a vector design, you can blow it up as much as you want. And it's a curve every time. And... Um, a vinyl cutter or a cricket can use the, the lower end quality design. And they have a feature in a lot of these programs. It's like auto trace. So you go and you find your little coloring book image off the internet and you put bridges in where you want your bridges to be at. And then you hit the button and poof, and it's done the work for you. And so everybody thinks that it's always that easy. The problem is that, when the computer does it that way, there are a lot of lines. Sometimes there will be two or three lines stacked on top of each other. Sometimes there will be lines that make these really funky zigzags and loop back around. And if you're on a vinyl cutter or a Cricut machine, it doesn't matter. But if you're on a laser, it does. Because the laser is going to go back and cut every single one of those lines and your stencil is just going to fall to pieces like a big jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> so yeah. you have to, you have to not, you can't do it that way. It doesn't work that way. That's crazy. 
because you wouldn't think it was that that hard. But you know, I have had those pistols before, and they they are they do make you your money. So it, yeah. it's worth it, whatever. But nobody sees what's behind the behind the curtains. Yeah, it's it's a process. I mean, there's there's a way to do. It's it's like the difference between the flip rack and the refrigerator rack. You know, I mean, if yeah. You, if you don't have the money, you do what you have to do. But if you if you get to the point where you have a little bit of money, it's worth it for you to invest that into something a little higher quality because in the end, it's just going to generate more money for you. It's going to come back to you, you know? Um, yeah. It's like every, I started off with a Pache VL3 and I, I started off when I was doing it for the first time making money, I had five airbrushes and now I have way more than five airbrushes and many of them are Awada Eclipses, which are just a little bit more money than a Pache VL3. Um, because over time, you know, I've, I've invested the money back into myself in order to make things better for me so that I can work faster and better because time is money and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So I see that y'all are uh, starting a, a, a go fundraiser for, uh, for our fellow airbrusher, Polly Kadifer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Polly, uh, he just lost everything. His, his, uh, we lost the farm quite literally out in those wildfires that are going on. He lives in Oregon and, um, he and his wife and his mother-in-law were, uh, in the house and they knew that the fires were coming and he like packed up everything that he could into the, the vehicle and they were pulling a trailer and he managed to, uh, get the dogs and, whatever cats he could catch. And then he set all everybody else loose, the horse and the chickens and the, you know, all the farm animals, he'd set them loose. And then they just left and it took him forever um, to get to someplace safe. And um, he came back and there's, you know, there's part of a chimney there from the fireplace and a few bricks from the exterior walls on a couple of the buildings but there's nothing left. It it looks like a war zone. It looks like somebody went through there and set off a bomb. Wow, that's crazy. So, yeah, and whatever he threw in the... I mean, like, his wife forgot the bag that she had that had her medication and her ID was sitting on the table in the house, and she forgot it, and she realized after they were down the road and they couldn't go back and get it. I mean, it was fast some of it so you know he's lost everything and we're trying to help him out with a fundraiser and he's real humble about it and says that he doesn't he doesn't need any help you know we're okay you know but he's gonna need help at some point you know um they're gonna have to rebuild the whole house and and everything else and um we're just trying to help him out along the way you know, as much as we can. So, what, so can, what can what can we do? What, what what do you need us to do? Well, uh, there is a group on Facebook called Friends of Polly Knipfer, and it was started by Rich Diltz, and uh, he made me an admin on there. And there's um, a lot of Polly's family members are on there, and uh, friends and colleagues from the airbrush community are also on there and Polly goes on there and kind of updates us to what's going on in their situation. He's working with the insurance company right now and he's trying to figure out. I know he's found a place for the wife and the mother-in-law to be, and then he is wanting to go to the, like camp on the property um while things get rebuilt but i don't know for sure if that's still the plan now that he's been there and seen the damage to the property um i know that he wants to go get the well working and i mean like he's starting from from nothing um to rebuild that property and 
So, you know, we've, we've got things in mind, like, uh, getting some money together so that we can help with a generator and gas cans and work gloves and um, just whatever buckets and shovels and, you know, things like that um, to get things cleaned up and rakes. And uh, one of the things that I thought of was maybe laundry baskets because those have holes in the sides of them. And if he's sifting through the remains of the house and he finds anything that could be salvageable, like jewelry or tools, you could toss it in the laundry basket and the, the dust and the ash is still going to be able to be blown off of it. Yeah. You know? So um, I guess we're going to, uh, I guess I need to figure out how can we donate? What, you, you said you got a link. His sister, link? His, his sister started a GoFundMe, and I've shared the link on my wall uh, the day that she started it. But if you go, if you join the group, uh, you can get. Um, or if you're friends with Rich Diltz, he's got it also available where you can go and, and uh, donate there. Okay, um, so normally I post uh, whenever I, I post the podcast, I put the links. But underneath that, if 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 I don't catch it, if you can send it to me on my messenger, I'll post it. And then uh, okay, if you if I don't catch it, you catch it. You post a link there. That way, people can find it. That way, you can help okay. all the out. All right. Yeah, that would be appreciated. All right. Well, thanks for Which, your time. We're talking about. Go ahead. We're talking about down the road, maybe helping him out a little bit because, you know, he, he just took basics when he took off and, and we were kind of talking about maybe down the road, helping him with some art supplies or something. To, yeah. Because I, you, I know. Was just, you know what? I was watching Paul do go live and he was just painting like a, a, a big thing of like some, some chickens. He was doing it live. And the next thing you know, yeah. I heard you sent me that thing saying, well, that uh, what happened. So that's crazy. Yeah. So I'm yeah, definitely- it was pretty fast. He yeah. said that that fire was consuming a thousand acres every half an hour. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I'll make sure I send something to Paulie. Uh, we'll put that link up there. And hopefully, anybody that's listening and, and they're a fellow airbrush artist and they know how it is, <laughs> they would, they would yeah. help out. Yep. So we're we're like uh, brothers and sisters. We're like a big family to a point, you know. Yeah, we are. There are us who fights, but that's that's me. Anyway, all right. <laughs> so yeah, make sure we, uh, I'm gonna post this tomorrow because it's the Sunday podcast. All righty. So and uh, look for it. That way you can put the link. If not, put the link in my messenger, and then I'll put the link myself. Okay. All right. Thanks for your time, Becky. And I know uh, you were driving home, and it's awesome that you did this. You were multitasking like that. What? What? Yep. Yep. I've been sitting in the driveway now for about twenty minutes. So. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Becky. I'm sorry. It's All right. it's cool. We're fine. We're All right. Fine. Thanks a lot. You have a great night. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. Uh huh. Bye bye. Air Graphic Podcast is a production of Air Graphics Airbrushing. Is written and hosted by me, fellow airbrusher, Ralph Kelly. If you want to see any of my work, check out my website, www.airgraphics1.com, or my Facebook, Ralph Kelly. Thanks for listening. This week, our sponsor is A Pocket Full of Sunshine, where you can get all of your custom items from teacher shirts to welcome boards to water bottles. Check out A Pocket Full of Sunshine on Instagram. That's a pocket underscore of sunshine underscore.